Anyway, good morning. Are we ready for God's word this morning? I hope that you have your Bibles ready with you, your sermon notes, your pens, and your 100% mind and heart as we engage in God's Word today. Now, we will continue with our series. Now, for those of you who are new here and visiting Bradford Church, our current series is about forward, how to move forward. Okay? It's not only those Lovers who have, you know, broken up can move on. Every one of us can move on, right? And we need to move forward because we said that we cannot go back. We cannot remain stagnant in life. The only option is for us to move on. Life must move on. Now, we come to the seventh step in our series. And the seventh step is to perform, outlive your life, right? If you want to reach and realize God's dream for your life this year, if you want to really pursue God's plan for your life, then you need to have the tenacity just to do it, okay? You cannot keep on thinking you need to start doing. You need to perform. You need to execute it. You need to accomplish it, even if others are not with you. Right? So how to live a life that outlasts our life? That's the point. How are we going to live in such a way that the kind of life we live will have an impact, not just our immediate society, not just our immediate, you know, generation, but even to the generations to come, right? Now, imagine life today without telephones, without air condition, without microphone, without, without the gadgets that we are using. Can you imagine life? I mean, we can still survive, right? But there are so many things that we have today, we enjoy today, because these are the plans of some people in the past. Plans that they have executed, and as a result, life has become better today. I'm talking of inventors. I'm talking of people like, you know, uh, Mr. Bell. People like, uh, who are famous uh, I have some list here. People like Thomas Edison, you know, invented the, the light. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell, our, is, is he the inventor of telephone? Right? Many others. Living a life that even if you're no longer here, the next generation will still experience and enjoy your legacy. Right? Now, Today, we are going to talk about Noah. Okay? The Old Testament story will never be complete without the story of Noah and the flood and the ark, okay? or Noah's ark. But did you know that some people actually thought that the wife of Noah is Joanne of Ark? 
yeah, really, it's so funny, but there are people who thought that they are related to each other. Okay? So, Noah is the best example of a person who simply performed. In fact, if, if you read his story in the Bible, you know, beginning in, in Genesis chapter uh, 6 to chapter 9, you know, everything you find there is Noah performing exactly what told him. And the rest, it's just a legacy. A legacy that we still have today, very important covenant that we still enjoy today because of the faith and the obedience of a man. Just one man among all the millions of people during that time. Alright? Now, talking about Noah, I, I don't know, maybe you have, you have found this in social media. All I really need to know about life, I learned from Noah's Ark. <laughs> you familiar with this? The story of Noah's Ark, you know, it's a favorite story among kids. But then, the story of Noah's Ark, the flood, it tells us important principles. So I'm just going to give you quickly 11 principles, very quick. It can teach us about life today, alright? Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here's the first one, okay? I can give you the link. You can also Google this one, okay? Here's the first one. Don't miss the boat, <laughs> right? Don't miss the boat. That's it. Second, remember that we are all in the same boat, okay? So don't complain that much. Don't complain about traffic. Don't complain about COVID. We're all in the same boat, right? We're all in the same flood today. Plan ahead. Because it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. He started building the ark 120 years before the flood came. Can you imagine that? So long. Plan ahead. Stay fit. Okay? Be careful with your diet. Be healthy. You know why? Because when you're really old, someone may ask you to do something real big. Like Noah. He was 600 years old. Right? You don't know what God will ask you to do. Right? Number five, don't listen to the critics. Just get on with a job that needs to be done. When Noah was building the ark, everyone was just laughing and criticizing him that he's a foolish man. What is he doing? And they didn't realize, you know, that it was salvation. Right? Build your future on high ground. Build your future on high ground. Number seven, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. <laughs> Don't be alone. Make sure you always have someone with you when you travel. Number eight, speed isn't always an advantage. Remember, the snails were on board along with the cheetahs. They all were able to be in the ark, okay, on the right timing, okay? Number nine, when you're stressed, just float a while. <laughs> okay, just float a while when you're stressed. You know, for, for the next, you know, 150 days, they were simply floating. Okay? It was survival, but nonetheless, they went out with better life. Number 10, remember the ark was built by amateurs like Noah and his family, the Titanic by professionals. 
the Titanic didn't make it. Okay, Noah's Ark made it. Amen? And then finally, no matter what the storm may come, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow waiting after. Amen? So we can, so we always, can always expect the rainbow to come. So don't fret too much. That's part of life. Storms, floods, rains. But there's always a promise of a rainbow. All right. That's the message today. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> right? So the story of Noah, we know this. God came to him and asked him to build this ark. It's, it's, it's a huge project. Okay? Can you imagine this? Even, even I tried to Google and, and research a lot of scientists today and atheists are still saying it's a myth. It's impossible. How could a man and his family of what? Uh, Noah and his wife and, and three children with their wives. How can they make such a huge boat and, and round up all these animals and float, you know? Where could he get all the timbers, the lumbers he needs? Where? How? But you know what? We cannot even explain it. And our explanation is simple. Because of God. God was with Noah. Amen? See, friends, life can bring so much challenges to each one of us. And sometimes we do not know, we could not figure out what to do. That's the dilemma of Noah. But Noah made it. He simply performed. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. All right? How to live a life that outlasts your life. All right? Are you ready? Okay, here's, first, here's the first lesson. First thing we find with Noah is this. Noah found rest in God. Noah found rest in God. Noah lived in a generation that was filled with wickedness, there was no rest. Okay? Notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That's how God describes the generation of Noah. Can you imagine this? I don't think the writer here is exaggerating. There's no exaggeration here. That's the plain fact. The Lord saw it. Okay? This is not just from, from a writer's perspective. No, this is from the perspective of God. This is how God perceived the world at that time. Right? Man's wickedness was so, you know, rampant that the Bible says every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil. Now, friends, remember that, you know, in college we have this subject psychology, right? We all go through psychology and, and we learn in psychology that from a person, there are three faculties, right? You need to have a volition, the will. Okay, the volitional, intellectual, that's the mind. And then the emotional part, the heart. 
According to psychology, that makes a person a person. Okay? That's why you're a person. You're not an animal. You know? Because of volition, you have intellect, and you have emotion. Okay? Now, those three are found in the verse. Okay, let's look at the verse again. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination, that's a will, inclination, and thoughts, that's the mind, of his heart, that's the seat of your emotion, was only what? Was only evil, and that, you know, it's like the writer of Genesis is not just, you know, satisfied with evil, but there's an added phrase, all the time. <laughs> what is that? Friends, in theology, you know, in our biblical theology, we have this doctrine of total depravity. Remember that? The total depravity of man. Friends, that's, that was the definition of total depravity. What do we mean by total depravity? That's the T in the acronym TULIP. Alright? T, total depravity of man. What's total depravity? Here's the simple definition. Sin has totally affected every part of man. Again, what makes up man? Volition, intellect, and emotion. In other words, man has totally been affected by sin that man became totally lost and incapable of saving himself from the punishment of sin. When did it start? It started at the fall. The moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God, you know what happened? Suddenly, everything in them changed. The DNA changed, both physical and spiritual. Suddenly, they are now capable of dying. Suddenly, their flesh is about to decay. Before, there was no such thing. Suddenly, they become vulnerable to viruses and disease. And what about the mind, the inclinations? What about the emotions? They're affected by sin. See? And that's the generation. That's, you know, the story of Noah's flood and ark is simply, you know, a picture of humanity in general. Right? Now, total depravity doesn't mean that man is not capable of doing good. Of course not. Total depravity doesn't mean that man is totally evil. No. It simply means that every faculty of man has been affected by sin so that none of us is really innocent perfectly. Right? So when a person says, how could bad things happen to this good man? See, that is wrong. Why? Because our sense of goodness is not good. None of us here is perfectly good. None of us here is perfectly innocent. See, we're all affected by the same disease, sin. And that's why we need a Savior, right? So that's the picture. And, you know, when sin corrupts our bodies, our minds, our hearts, all right? You know the effect of that to God who is our creator? Was God happy? No. The Bible says the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. You see that? 
God is never happy with what happened to the fall. When God saw that everything He made was good, and then now it's tainted with evil, God was so grieved. Friends, this is where we find, you know, what you call anthropomorphism. 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 What is that? We find that human, human descriptions, human emotions are attributed to God. See? Like God was grieved. We find here that our God is, is a, a personal God. You know? He's an emotional God. He's grieved when we sin. When you commit sin, when I commit sin, God is grieved. And here the Bible says he's grieved. He's filled with pain. And as a result, what was the decision of God? Right? What's the decision of God? In verse 7, so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, man, animals, and creatures. Now, friends, you find here that the extent of the fall, the extent of sin is not just for humans. It was Adam and Eve who sinned. But you know the consequence? The rest of creation became evil. See? That's why you might be wondering, you know, the, the, you know, Peta might, might, you know, contest, you know, why would God punish animals. You know, it was the animal sin. It was Adam and Eve. But notice this. God is going to wipe out what? Mankind and not only man, including what? Animals and creatures. Okay? It tells us theology that the effect of the fall affected all of creation. Right? All of creation. That's the gravity of what we did. We, have, we actually affected all of creation with our impurities. Nature is groaning today because of your sin and my sin. See? It's our fault, not creations, right? But here's something amazing. You know? In the midst of all these bad descriptions about the world, the Bible says in verse 8, but Noah found favor in God. Noah found favor in God. What was in Noah? <laughs> what was in Noah that you know, everyone in, during his time was purely evil and, and you know when there is evil, there's chaos. And when there is chaos, there is no peace. So there's just restlessness and weariness, and that was the experience of people. But when the Bible says, Noah found favor in the eyes of God, what is that, friends? That's what you call grace. In a generation when people don't deserve anything good, God was still gracious because he found a man, okay, man who has faith in him. Okay? What causes God to be favorable to a person? Not good works. <laughs> Not human righteousness. You know? No. Only one. Faith. That's why in Hebrews, you know, God read Hebrews 11.7. Why was Noah part of the 
Because it was his faith that caused him to be called the righteous man. Amen? Faith. And by the way, let's go to Noah. What's the meaning of the, the name Noah? You know that Noah means rest, relief. And friends, every time God gives a person in the Bible, you know, their names are always connected to their circumstance, to their situation, right? Now, who was the father of Noah? Who was the father of Noah? Lamech, yes. So in Genesis 5.29, this is what Lamech said. Now he called his name, this is Lamech, Noah, and notice this, saying, this one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. It's prophetic. You see? Even Lamech. Lamech, who, who told Lamech about this? It's the Holy Spirit, of course. You know? so, so Noah's birth was something that God has planned. That through Noah, God can, can finally provide rest because there's no rest when sin abounds. There's no rest when, you know, when wickedness abounds, when corruption abounds. There's no rest. There's only, you know, weariness. There's only what? Chaos, right? Sin brings suffering and separation, but grace brings rest and restoration. Amen? And that's where we get the first point. Because God found favor upon Noah. Noah experienced Of all the people that lived during the time, it was only Noah who truly experienced rest. Why? Because he was the only one who believed in God. While all the others were just living for their own, here's a man you know, who truly found favor in God's sight. Okay? His name means rest. And friends, when you, when you accept the grace of God, the grace of salvation, listen, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, you know what you will get? You will get rest. And that's what Jesus promised. Come to me, all you who are what? Weary, and heavy laden, you know, and I will give you what? Rest. Okay, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus. That's what Noah received because of his faith. All right, Psalm sixty two verse one. The Bible says, "Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him." You see, you see there the connection between salvation and rest. When a person is saved. There is real rest. When you are not yet saved, you're always restless. You, are, you will never be at peace. You're always worried. You're always anxious. But when you trust Jesus Christ, when you receive Him into your life as your Savior and Lord, you know what you get? Rest for your soul. Amen? I hope that all of us will go home today finding rest in Jesus, all right? Not yet, not yet rest in peace, huh? Okay? Mabot rataana later. But rest, you know, in the arms of our Lord. Amen? All right, here's the second lesson we find in the life of Noah. Write this down. 
Noah lived righteous in his wicked generation. While there was a spread of widespread of wickedness, while God was so grieved, you see that imagine this every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. There's this one man who lives a righteous life, right? Notice verse 9. Okay, look at verse 9. This is the account of Noah. Noah was righteous, a righteous man, blameless among all the people of his time, and he walked with God. Friends, listen, this is very important. This is the very first time the word righteous is mentioned in the Bible. You know, Genesis is the book of first. Everything there first. First man, you know, first sin, first marriage, see? First act of murder, everything there is first. That's why it's called Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. See? So this is the first time the Bible mentions righteous. So, so now you know the trivia. Who is the first righteous man in the Bible? <laughs> Noah. See? Righteous. In other words, what do you mean? The word righteous there doesn't mean that he is sinless. No. It simply means that here's a man who has a right disposition, a right standing before God. That's the meaning of the word, standing. How you stand before God. How you relate yourself to God. See? And we know in the Bible that righteousness is always based on what? Faith. Remember? Abraham was called righteous by God because of his faith. The same thing with Noah. Why was Noah called righteous? Because he believed in God. How do we know that? Because Hebrews tells us, remember? Now, according to New Living Translation, now Noah was a righteous man. Take note, the only blameless person living on earth at that time. Grave, no? The only blameless person. Again, doesn't mean that he was faultless. He was sinless. No. He wasn't perfect. But in the eyes of God, in the eyes of people, people could not see, bring up any accusation over this man. Right? The only blameless person during that time. Now, why? Okay? Why? What's with Noah that was absent from the others? Now, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews says, By faith, Noah will warn about the things not yet seen. In holy fear, take note, holy fear. You see that? Holy fear for whom? For God. Alright? Built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. You see there? A person is only made righteous because of your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a declaration. It was God who declared, you, Noah, you are righteous. Why? Because you believe in me, while all the others do not. Friends, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Not because of what you've done. You and I are righteous. I'm a righteous man. You're a righteous man. And there's nothing for us to boast about it on our own because that righteousness is a gift from God. It's by faith. Amen?
God granted him that position because he believed in God. And according to Romans 3.22, this is very clear. This is theology. Okay? And this is where we get the idea that salvation is by faith alone. It is by grace alone. Notice this. The, this righteousness is given, see it's a gift, through faith. In whom? In religion? No. In some rituals? No. Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It's so clear. Nothing can be farther from the truth. The truth is that you and I are declared righteous to God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's a gift. You don't earn it. Okay? That, that set us apart from all people around the world who try to work hard to earn salvation. Here we believe the Bible is very clear. You and I, a person is saved because of faith. And it's a gift from God. Alright? Now, let's move on. Here's the third lesson. So, Noah, everyone during his time was simply unrighteous. He lived righteous. He chose to be righteous while others are not. Here's the third. Noah maintained a close relationship with God. Noah maintained a close relationship with God. And, and that answers the question, why do you think Noah was righteous in, during his time? Why? Because this is the foundation of his righteousness. His relationship with God. Okay? We find that in, in verse 9. Not Again, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And, notice this, he walked in close fellowship with God. He walked in close fellowship with God. Friends, that relationship was so important to God. Listen, that relationship was so important that God was willing you know what? To spare his whole family. In fact, God was giving chance to everyone who would listen to him. Because, let me tell you this, when God commanded or when God told Noah that, Noah, you know, I could no longer put up with man. Man is just so evil. I'm going to reboot creation. Okay, that's my plan. It's going to be a reboot. You're going to be part of it. But here's your job. Make an ark. But at the same time, while you build the ark, you preach. So, scholars tell us that the time span for Noah to preach and to build the ark is what? 120 years. So, for 120 years, of course, what do you expect? He's just a man with, with three sons and three daughter-in-laws and a wife. You, don't, you, you can't imagine him building an ark in 10 years, in 120 years. But in all those 120 years, Noah was what? He was preaching. He was telling people. Where do you think he got all the energy? Where do you think he got all the, the encouragement? You know, people were laughing. Where do you think? Where? There's the answer. See? 
because he walked close fellowship with God. Friends, we need that today. With all the challenges of life today, with all the problems in our lives today, where do we get Christians our energy? In our walk with the Lord. Amen? That's why, please, please, never, never waste time for useless things. Invest your time walking with the Lord through His Word, through prayer, through worship. If there's any, any opportunity available for you to know God better, join. All right? Don't you know that we have some members in our church that every time there's an activity, that person joins. And sometimes I have to say, say to that person, okay, you cannot join this. Pastor, you know, I want to join. This is a women's fellowship. You're a man. And sometimes I have to tell that person because this person really loves to attend any activity for seniors, for youth. But this time I have to, I have to deny him. You know, this is for women only. <laughs> this is a women's fellowship. You're a man. Alright? But friends, whatever opportunity, whatever activity we have in the church that will help us, you know, deepen our relationship with God, I encourage you, join. Noah don't have those opportunities before. There were no Bible studies before. There were no worship services before. He's, it's only him and God. And the animals. But Noah walked with God. Amen? Okay, here's the fourth. And this is now the performance part. If you notice, before he could really perform, you see the foundation? He found rest with God. He was righteous. And he was what? He was having a relationship. Friends, those three are very crucial because these three became the foundation why he could perform. A lot of us wants to perform, but we don't have foundation. You see, a lot of us want, we want to expand so much our life, you know, we want to expand our life, you know, miles wide, and yet our depth is just an inch. What would happen to a tree that becomes so big, is not rooted? It will fall. See? For us to perform, we have to be rooted in God. Amen? And that's why Noah completely responded to God. Notice this. When Noah was committed by God, okay? Sorry, please bear with my clicker, okay? Notice this. Genesis 6.22, okay? God commanded Noah, Noah, going to be a flood, okay? I will use you as the channel to save as many people, as many animals as you can. This is what you need to do. So God gave him the dimensions, everything. The size of the ark, how the animals are, are going to be deployed, no? Everything. And, and these things are going, what? imagine this. I want you to imagine this. God telling him flood, rain, boat, and all these things doesn't make sense. I'm sure... Flood? What's a flood word? Friends, there was no flood before Noah's flood. Rain, there was no rain on the earth before Noah's flood. Boat. Well, Noah lived 500 miles from the sea. 500 miles from the sea. There's no boat there. 
So all these things that God commanded him doesn't make sense. But notice what the Bible says. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. See? That's what you call performance. <laughs> he simply performed. Alright? And he had all 120 years to scratch his head. What am I doing, Lord? What, what, what am I joining, Lord? What is this that I'm signing up? <laughs> right? Friends, listen. Performance is putting our faith into action. Again, why do you think Noah could perform? Because of what verse 9 said. He walked with God. Amen? He walked with God. He found favor with God. If there's one thing that's in Noah, it's just one. Faith. That's all. <laughs> See? And with that faith, he could simply do anything because he believed in God. See? I'm sure his sons would say, Dad, Dad, what should we do with it? I mean, why is this happening, Dad? And then I'm sure Noah would say, Son, I don't know. Let's just believe what God said. <laughs> See? Son, I don't know. That's what God said. Friends, that's performance. Putting our faith into action. See? Yes, we talk about faith. We talk about faith. Friends, listen. Noah's life teaches us one thing. In order for our lives to mean something for others, we have to put it into action, our faith. For us to save others and even our own family, we have to put our faith into action. And so Noah started the long, you know, the wearisome, the toilsome, and all questions. God gave him all the directions and at the same time telling people. And by the way, Jesus even used the story. Okay, listen, a lot of, a lot of skeptics are saying, even Jews, some Jews would say that Noah's story is just a myth. It's just a story. But you know why we Christians really believe it's a real thing? You know why? Do you know the reason? Because it's in the Bible. More than that. Because Jesus uses it as a reference point. Remember Matthew 20. Jesus in the last times, it's like the days of Noah. So if it's a myth, why would Jesus use it as a reference point? You see, Jesus was saying in the last time, in the last days. Before the end of the world, the life of the world is going to be like the days of Noah. What's that? People will be wicked. See? People will be forgetting God. See? While Christians are preaching God's word, people don't listen. See? That's what's going on. And friends, huh? I believe that thing is happening today. So many people are bashing about our Bible, about our Jesus. See, when we talk about God and Jesus, people, you know, scoff at us and laugh at us. That's happening today. Today, more and more people are denying their faith. See, that's happening. And Jesus is saying, Jesus, you know, the disciples were asking, Lord, how do we know when it's about to happen? When, the, when will be the end of the world? And you know the hint of Jesus? It's like going to be the days of Noah. You know, 
Before the flood came, people were not listening. People were drinking and eating and giving into marriage, partying. That's what happened until the flood came and destroyed all of them. The same thing. See? So if God destroyed the world because of evil during the time of Noah, Jesus says it's the same thing. It's going to happen. See? And for the next 120 years, Noah built and preached, built and preached, built and preached. Was Noah, you know, happy about it? Was it easy? Okay, Noah's gigantic problems. Number one, there was no rain until the time of the flood. I said that already. How can he convince people? <laughs> There's going to be rain. And they would laugh. Noah, what's rain? Define rain. There was no rain. That's what the Bible says. The rain, the first drop of rain happened during the time of Noah. Noah was 500 miles from the largest body of water. How could he, you know, think about the boat? And, and how could he convince people about this boat? They've not seen a boat, right? Third, how to round up all the animals, you see? That's the mystery. Even scientists could not understand how Noah could do it. I mean, imagine the boat, and what if the termites, the termites, what if there are too many termites and they would start... <laughs> and what about, what about the, the, the lion? You know, the lion are there and, and the lamb. <laughs> well, friends, don't bother yourself. You see? Don't bother yourself. Let's imagine this. In, in, in Genesis chapter 9, they, they went out safe. <laughs> They're all alive. No one was eaten. All right? There's enough. And if you, if you ask why, well, ask God. It was God who gave him every instruction. The same instruction God gave to Moses. They survived for the last, what, 40 years in the wilderness. God gave the instruction. Well, this is 40 nights and 40 days. <laughs> and for the next 150 days, they were simply floating. But friends, in all this, again, Next chapter tells us, Noah did everything as the Lord commanded. That's the thing we need to follow. Just perform. Okay? Sometimes life can be filled with so many questions, questions we cannot answer. And friends, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer of the Bible, it's not right that you have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But what I have is this. I have faith. I believe that what God said in His Word is true. And that's enough. Amen? That's faith. Amen? And then finally, what happened? You know, they were floating for 150 days. And then suddenly, the Bible says, to make the long story short, they hit dry ground. And God says, you know, Noah, it's ready. You know, you're now ready to open the boat. And notice this, Noah's faith is forever remembered through a rainbow. Have you seen a rainbow before? You know what happened? The first thing that Noah did, okay, before he tried to look for food or, you know, curious about what's happening around, you know, the first thing that Noah did when they stepped out from the boat, 
was to build an altar. Worship, you see? Worship. And you, you find here the faith of this man. See? Worship. In other words, he acknowledged, Lord, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve to be in this boat while all the others died. Lord, what's with us? And so they worship. They offered. And, and, and here's what the Bible says. What happened? <laughs> okay, JR, can you please help me here? Okay, what happened? Now, in the Bible, please go to, to Genesis chapter 8. Okay, we are now in Genesis chapter 8. Okay, notice this. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Okay, thank you so much. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Okay? Uh, by the way, just, just a very, you know, tiny bit of information. You notice that while most of them were in pairs, there were others that they have to bring more. And you know now the reason for the purpose of sacrifice. You see? There's a provision. Okay. The provision. Noah, there are some animals here more than the pair. Why? Because once you land, you know what to do. Okay? So, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said to his heart. Okay, notice this. When the Bible says, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, it means he's what? He accepted the worship. Okay? It means that God could see through the heart of Noah, but the sacrifice was genuine. Okay? There was no superficiality there. No. God saw his heart and God smelled and, you know, he accepted the offering because it was given from a pure heart. That's the sacrifice that God demands. A clean and contrite heart that God desires for a sacrifice. Not animals, but the heart. Alright? So, God made this promise. Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. God knows that. You see, this is theology. God is saying, I will no longer destroy this earth with a flood. Even if your children, Noah, even you, will continue to be evil. What is that, friends? That's grace. God knew that even after the flood, you know, evil will perpetuate. God knew about it. He knew it. But then, because of the, this man's faith and obedience, God says, Never again. It's like, Noah, I'm so convinced. I'm so convinced about your faith. See? Because of one man's faith, God made a declaration that even though evil will still perpetuate because of these humans, I will never again curse the ground. Amen? Alright, look at verse 22. And never again will I destroy all living creatures and I have done. Friends, that's the reason why. If you ask, Pastor, if there's really God, if, if God is so powerful, why is it that He will not just zap out all the evils in the world today? This is the answer. Because God made a promise to Noah that no matter how evil the world will become, there will be no flood that will destroy it because of the faith of a man. You know? God was so impressed with his faith that he says, never again. Okay, never. 
And then we reach chapter 9. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant, notice this, for all generations to come. Here's what we say, friends. Perform. Outlive your life. Here's a man who lived his life following God, but his life outlasted, his legacy outlasted his life. You know why? Because because of what Noah did, God made a promise. And not just to him, to all your generations, Noah. Even if they're going to be evil, I don't care. I'm going to make a covenant. And it's going to be signed. And what's the sign? The rainbow. I said my rainbow, by the way, the word rainbow there, you know, the, the Hebrew word there, rainbow, literally means a bow. <laughs> As in the bow and arrow. That's why it's, it's, it's more like a bow. That's a bow. Okay? It's a sign to us, okay, that, that you know, when you shoot arrows of prayer, <laughs> there's the bow of God also, you know. Every after flood, every after rain, you will see my promise. See? It will be the sign of the covenant between me the earth, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become flood to destroy all life. See? So this world will no longer be destroyed by flood and you know in, in eschatology it will be destroyed in a different way fire, according to Peter. So whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. See, God will also see it. And remember, the everlasting covenant between God and the living creatures of every kind on the earth. See? Because of Noah's faith and how he performed, you and I are all part of that covenant. Amen? Now, that's the Noahic covenant, friends. Okay, just quickly, let's summarize the Noai. This is called Noai Covenant. Okay, here's another trivia. This is the very first covenant that God made with man. The very first. The very first word covenant appears in this chapter. The very first covenant is the Noai Covenant. It's unilateral. What do you mean by unilateral? It's only one side. See? God was never demanding something from Noah. Imagine, what means Noah? Okay, if you do this, I will do this. No. It's, it's a unilateral covenant. It's God. I will remember. I will no longer destroy. See? Second, it's perpetual. It's not just for Noah and his family. It says, all generation. And friends, that includes you and today. Amen? Amen? Every time we see rainbow, remember, Lord, that's your covenant. Lord, thank you. It's unconditional. You know why it's unconditional? It doesn't say, I will never do this as long as you are perfect. No. There's no condition. There, there were no conditions. In fact, it's purely grace. God is going to uphold this covenant whether you and I obey or not. <laughs> it's an unconditional. This is a covenant of grace. Why? Because the story of the Noah's flood is a story of God's 
saving faith to humanity. Amen? Because later on, God is going to use it as an object lesson. See? And just like Paul's people, you know, how many, how many of them? There's eight of them. They were saved because they believed the same thing with the world today. If we believe Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be part of His ark. It's a covenant of salvation. And so friends, I close. You know, we always see rainbows, right? And this one, this is the rainbow we saw uh, in, in Busai and somewhere there. <laughs> Very beautiful. Please let it be a reminder that God saves. God is gracious. That even though our heart is filled with evil, there's always, there's always that offering of salvation and forgiveness when we come to Jesus Christ. Amen? And you and I will be saved from the catastrophe that will fall on this earth when we believe in the God that Noah preached. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But just like Noah, friends, live a life that will outlast your own life. Okay? Now, I always say this in many sermons, but I'm saying it again. Okay? A quote. We have only one life to live and it will soon pass. Right? Only what's done for Christ will last. Do something for Jesus and the next generation will also be blessed by you. Let's pray. Father, bless your name. We thank you, Lord God, for the life of Noah. We thank you for faith. We thank you for grace. Lord, today, we want to make this firm commitment that individually, without coercion, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He died on the cross. He was buried, rose from the grave because He is the Lord and the God, the Master of my life. Thank you, Father, for saving me because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.